0: You're listening to Two Guys Talking Wine with Michael Pincus and Andre Prue.
1: Hello, Michael. Oh, Andre, being married is fun.
0: Really? I'm still having fun. I'm in the middle of planning my honeymoon. I'm off to um, L'Hermitage, Beaujolais. Oh, yeah, you're doing Beaujolais again. And Burgundy. Yes, I am making my return to Beaujolais. To um, just remind myself how far my dollar will go.
1: I was. Uh, um, I was just checking with my wife if, if we had wine delivery today, and she said she denied it, and I said I doubt you denied it because there's Chardonnay in the box, so she won't deny. What'd you Chardonnay? say? She just uh, answered. She even. won't. She won't deny Chardonnay.
0: No, and I won't either.
1: Um, geez, I can't reply. I can't actually read that out loud. Oh. Because yeah. It's <laughs> well, apparently after our last podcast, we need a swear jar. Yes, I heard we were uh, a, a little bit over the top, but, you know.
0: We were talking about it was Schmidt's it was wines. It was
1: effing good wine.
0: Uh, speaking of effing good wine, you are straight up my favorite person right now. <laughs> uh, because I think I've talked on this podcast a little bit before about how much I enjoy Paul Hobbs wines. Like yes. The point where I chased him down to
1: upstate New York. And I yanked this out of my cellar today, because I know you're a big <laughs> fan of uh, Toccolon.
0: Yeah, and you brought a 2006 Paul Hobbs Beckstoffer Toccolon Vineyard Cabernet Sauvignon, and this is as close to perfection as I think I'm going to taste for the rest of this year.
1: Uh, well, there's not much of that this year left, but you never know. You may get something. Christmas is coming. Like I mean, somebody's going to give you. I don't know if I. Well, really wait a second. Boy you, for that. you had uh, you had Krug for
0: your. Uh... I did have Krug, uh, but the thing is, oh, different categories. But I mean, it's been a good year for for tasting wine. I know you and I we both missed the Latour tasting that we got to see on social media. A few people attend this. Yeah, week. but you know what? I don't know if I would have enjoyed it as much as getting to sit and
1: enjoy a bottle of this wine
0: with a good Cor- friend of mine. Correct.
1: So that's. Uh, and, and you want you wanted to talk today about uh, cool climate, which this is far from. Yeah, I
0: thought we would tackle a little bit of the wine 101 topics, because I've been thinking about this a fair bit, and I'm not talking about people who know literally nothing about wine. I'm talking about people who know that they like the taste of wine, but don't really know where to go from there, because I I know you get the question a lot, and I get the question a lot, do you like red or white better?
1: Yes, and and I can answer that. Really? Yeah. What's your answer? Red. I'm a red wine drinker. Oh. I'm, def- I'm 100% red wine drinker. Because for me, I can't I can't answer that question. Like ni- 90% of the wine... You can ch- tell by your wine cellar. 90% of my wine cellar is, is red. So I'm a red drinker.
0: Oh, okay, but that being said though, 90% of my wine cellar is red as well, but it's just because the red wines I like need a little bit of time before they're ready to drink, where white wine typically comes into this house and out of this house, with the exception of that 10% being Chardonnay, and sparkling
1: well we're, we're, we're you know we're canadian first of all we we see a change of season and so we typically drink more white in the summer and red in the winter yeah and definitely. then the, then the shoulder seasons of the fall and the spring you kind of just they kind of meld together and you kind of go from whites to reds in those seasons see, and, and that's, then, then there's rosé which is
0: why i made rosé hashtag rosé all day
1: like i mean Rosé is just one of those wines. Somebody said to me, uh, did you drink enough rosé this summer? And I said, you know what? I still have a lot of rosé left over uh, from the summer. I don't think we drank as much rosé as I would have wanted to. But, yeah, we drank a fair bit of rosé.
0: Michael asked me if I drank enough rosé this summer. Well, you made rosé. I drank too much rosé this summer. So there was I'm, ready, of- I'm ready to get into red wine. I'm you, ready to get into the Chardonnay. And you drank Chardonnay. so much
1: rosé that half the time, you thought you were bleeding out your urethra. Okay, that's a
0: little graphic. But, still not worthy of the swear jar.
1: No, urethra
0: so, is not a dirty word. So the point that I was I was going to make, though, is I've sort of found when I talk to people about the wines they like when they're new to it. Um, if I talk to someone who says that they love red wine, mm-hmm. and let's say they started with Yellowtail. And I know we've crapped on Yellowtail in, in the past,
1: but I mean, let's face it, it's a
0: starting point. For a lot of people who are getting into the wine world,
1: I, I would say these days it's not yellowtail. I would say it's apothic red, and as much as that makes me cringe, I under I understand it. At least yep. at least they're drinking wine and not white Zinfandel, which is not really wine. I want everybody to know that. Hashtag white Zinfandel is not wine. Um, and you put the
0: hashtag out there when we put this up.
1: And then um, they're not drinking coolers, right? Yeah, like they're like apothic red is. I guess, legitimate wine. But here's the
0: thing, is is, is if I had an apothec drinker at my table right now and I opened up, let's say, a 2014 or 2013 Trius Red, which is a great wine. It's consistent every year. Uh, and it's one of yours and, and, and my favorite. Like, it, it's a benchmark wine for what red it, wine it is. It is,
1: and the 15 was great, and uh, I just got a chance to try the 16. Yeah. Holy...
0: A good wine. Let's let's hold the thoughts on hold the thoughts on that. But yeah, I, I, I agree pick, with you yeah. on that. But I picked I picked cool vintages because if we have an apothec drink and we're just like this is a really great glass of Canadian wine, I'll find probably nine times out of ten they'll take a sip and be this is really tart. Yes. Yes. And it's because they've gone from drinking something that is really ripe and luscious, rich and a little and bit slight sweet, sweet. Yeah, uh, yeah, to something that is a little bit more restrained and acidic and the food friendly. Yeah, I mean, that's where we're going to go in this podcast eventually, but the light bulb went off in my head that when you're getting into wine, I don't think it's so much about whether you like red or white, but it's a little bit more about whether you like cool climate or warm climate wines. And I don't know if you agree with me on
1: that. I thought we'd unpack that for the Wine 101. Well, I don't know if it's if it's that. I've always... I i do teach um, some wine classes, just, just to let everybody know. And uh, I always find that... There is a there is a good progression. If you're a, if you're a well-rounded wine person, you usually started off with something sweet yep. uh, or fruit-based, not yep. grapefruit, but I mean grape. I mean uh, you got apple or pear or yeah, strawberry. Yeah, I get where you're going. And then you moved on somewhere to Riesling because that was slightly sweet and still in your belly wick at that point. Yep. Then you probably went a little bit drier. You probably ended up with some Chardonnay, some Pinot Gris, and then you started with. A light red, a Gamay, or a Valpolicella. Something that's definitely light and easy drinking. And then you moved on. I always found that people who go, I don't like wine, I don't like drinking wine, had some stupid uncle when they were really young, went, you've got to try this! And it was some Bordeaux that wasn't ready, and it was harsh, and they were like, I don't want to drink that. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think you were just, you were just given a wine that was not... Not to where you were in life. It's not up to your palate. You yeah, need something... and, and I think
0: and I think we're in an interesting place right now because of like how great South America is represented at the the LCBO, and you get great food-friendly wines from Chile and from Argentina, but I wouldn't call those for the most part cool climate wines.
1: See, my my first love in in wine was Gato Negro, which okay. was a Merlot out of uh, out of uh, Chile, and then I moved to uh, Um, And then that was under, it was under $10 at the time. And um, I I walked up to David Laurison very recently and I said to him, I got to blame you for for my wine collection. And he like looks at me and um, because he used to put out a book, I think he still does, for Toronto Life. It's a guide. I don't know if it's so a separate it's a book. Yeah, yeah. It used, it used to be a separate book that used to come out with Toronto Life. Mm-hmm. And I would go through that with a fine tooth comb. And he came out with something called the Long Flat Red, which was from Australia. And at this time, I'm buying wines under $10. Yeah. And this wine was ten oh five. okay And I can no longer, If I buy this one, and he gave it a glowing recommendation. like, for $0.05 cents more, I could have this wine, which turned out to be a really great wine. Did he score at 98 points? He did not score it 99. OK. Um, <laughs> But he he gave it a really good score, and and I'm I'm almost positive he was using stars at the time. Yeah, and um, and then I the moment I bought that I could no longer say I was
0: um, a sub ten dollars a seller. sub ten
1: dollar. So now I was at tw- I so so I would go I am sub twelve
0: dollars. See,
1: and I was fortunate
0: enough to kind of get the crash course. So when I was eighteen and started to drink wine and started drinking, uh, my parents always had Wolf Blast Cabernet Sauvignon
1: in the house, and this would have been around. The year 2002. That at one point was the most popular selling wine uh, across Canada, if I'm not mistaken. And, and I
0: remember it being at that point. And that point, was serious wine.
1: That's some serious wine. At, at that point, it was a dry wine, but it was still very
0: fruity, yes. very juicy, Australia very luscious. The tannin was soft, like it was a ready-to-drink, and it was like 17 bucks a bottle yeah. in Saskatchewan. And I was lucky to have to, to be able to bypass a lot of the, the sweet wine stuff. But anyways, I guess the point that I'm making, it was fairly easy to go from rich... Australian wine to moving to Ontario in 2007 and grabbing every bottle of Trius Red I could get my hands on.
1: And I think I still have... But a totally different experience as you've got. Yeah, definitely. It. Because you've got that rich, round fruit from a hot climate like Australia.
0: Well, key, a key moment is the year that I moved to Ontario.
1: 2007.
0: Which means when I really started drinking a lot of Trius Red would have been the 2007 Vintage.
1: Vintage, yeah. Which so was you a got very the, hot summer. Correct. So you've got a rich, round... Uh, Ontario wine, but then did you do you remember going for the 08 maybe the 09?
0: Yeah, and I remember having a bit of a harder time with them, but I remember as I started to get more and more into Ontario wine loving 08 and 09 Cabernet Franc that was young. Yeah, um, the bottle that's still on my mantle is a 2004. Hillebrand, showcase Cabernet Sauvignon, and what was 2004? as a growing year. Not good. Well, I was drinking that wine in 2008, 2009 at 35 bucks a bottle, and it knocked my socks oh, off. Oh three,
1: oh four. Uh, I don't think anybody would tell you it's a classically great vintage. Uh, but you know what? Let's let's be honest. Um, good producers, their high end product, are going to make a better product.
0: Even in a lousy year. in a
1: lousy year, uh, and
0: I put I, you know, and here's the thing: I'm going to put that in air quotes. Yeah, because, no, no, I have. I made that. I made Pinot Noir rosé in a air quote lousy year, and I can tell you, well, with the fruit last year. Hold was a on challenge. a second.
1: Rosé is one of those great uh, one of those wines you make in lousy years because you couldn't get anything to ripen. But I I digress. It was a good it was a good rosé. I have to give you that. Yeah, sorry to be
0: sorry to be uh, patting myself on the back a lot with this, but I guess just sort of the point that I that still have bottles of that. I guess the, the, the I guess the point and you and I have sort of danced around it, but this is to the the wine one hundred and one people listening to yeah. this is if you want to get into red wine, it's probably
1: easier to jump on to a warm climate growing region. Yes, it is. So Chile, Argentina, Argentina is huge these yep. days. You got uh, you got Malbec, which is big. Chili was the big one. Big, uh, you know, Merlots from uh, uh, Merlots from Chile were a were a big thing. Yeah. You know, just those those big wines or those. I guess they're not big. They're just easy on the palate. Yeah, people, you, you people lot, like that. It's 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 yeah.
0: a it's a thing where when you're new to wine, you'll be like, "This tastes sweet," but when just, you when you it's just right fruity. It's just lots it. of and, fruit. And and yeah, that's and that's the thing about big red wines that are yeah. a lot of fun. Like. Make sure you read the, it, as an exercise, if you if you really want to start getting an understanding of what your wine is like, you can see if it's like less than 8 grams per liter sugar, it, you shouldn't be able to really taste the sweetness. It's not like taking a spoonful of sugar and putting it in your mouth. But if you're tasting something that tastes sweet, it's likely
1: just the natural ripeness of the fruit from the climate. Yeah, people and people automatically think, it. you know, they go, oh, I like that sweet wine, and you're like... And, and do, you, do you explain to them that it's just sweet fruit, or do you just let them go thinking they're having a sweeter wine? I try to ex-
0: explain that they're just drinking sweet fruit and not drinking the the sugar part of it because I, I think that's that to me that's one of the joys of the w- wine. Like I mean this this beautiful Paul Hobbs wine we're drinking right now, like it tastes like sweet black currant jam, but
1: there is it's got no that cocoa sugar. note right on oh, yeah. it too. Oh my god, that's good.
0: But there's no sugar in this. Like this is not a no. sweet wine. This no. is a
1: bone dry wine. And you can get you get that on that finish. The finish is just cedary and smoky and 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 and, cassisi and but I mean I, I suspect when this was young, this would have come across as, as as sweeter. It's a 2006, right?
0: Yep. Oh yeah, it's Oh yeah, it's I was well, still in was university. Yeah. yeah. But um, but then then you can move like places like Italy. Italy's another great place to
1: get into um, Affordable wines that have a lot of that sweet, sweetness. Sweetness. Now you're talking about Southern Italy. You're talking about things that are Zinfandel, like Primitivo, or uh, which is Zinfandel, or or uh, Negroamaro, which yeah. is you know the name means black and bitter, but it's far from black and bitter. The way they make it, it's got that sweet, luscious fruit. Or kind uh, of everyone's entry level into premium wines, Amarone. True, but Amarone is a very dry wine with lots of fruit yeah yeah and that's it's the apparent sweetness comes from the alcohol because it's sixteen five. that's where you get that from but I don't know if we've I don't know if we've really explained the difference between cool climate and hot climate I guess I guess the real difference is just look at the temperatures yeah if it's a hot climate California is considered warmer or or hot Chile Australia Argentina and South Africa South of Italy. They're going to have problems keeping their acidity. Whereas cool climates have no problem keeping the acidity. They have problems ripening. But you'll find that a lot of those European countries that have those cool climates also have food cultures.
0: Yeah, so I guess just to dumb it down a, a little bit more. When you're growing grapes, whether it's in California, the Okanagan, Oregon, Niagara, Burgundy... You'll hear grape growers talk about the ripeness of the fruit, so the overall sugar in the fruit. Otherwise known as bricks. And the natural acidity of the fruit. And then the third factor, which overrules all chemistry, is what the fruit tastes like.
1: I'm telling you, the the 18 fruit uh, from Ontario is tasting pretty sweet.
0: It is. And if you talk to some growers towards the end of the summer... On early ripening uh, varieties like, uh, I'll bet you the Gewürztraminer for the little bit of Gewürztraminer that comes from this province is going to have pretty low acid and mm.
1: probably a lot of sweetness to yep. it. But uh, what I what I what I worry about now is you know we've been having a lot of rain, so I think uh, Cab Francs and the and the Cab Sauv's are going to have a real struggle over the next month to try and get them in still ripe. Yeah. But man, we're getting a little nerdy here.
0: Yeah, we're getting. We're a little trying. Little... This is supposed to be 101,
1: Mike. We're not 101-ing this one. No, we're not. Must, oh man, must be the Paul Hobbs wine that's getting to it. I think so. Look, basically, if you're starting out with wine, not not knocking Ontario. Nope. Or France. Or France. Or New or, Zealand. Or Northern or Italy. Or
0: Oregon. Or uh, we're come on, we go Germany. Look, come go, on, we got some other great cool climate
1: regions. Let's throw them all out there. Go for. Um, I, I guess just go for a hot climate, and go for easy drinking grapes. So Merlot, uh, you know they, people poo poo Merlot, but I mean no Merlot is easy. I, I'll it's tell you, such you what, if an you, easy if, drinking.
0: Grape. If if you want your gateway, if you want your gateway to Niagara, if you want your gateway to Niagara, get your hands on some Okanagan Merlot. You're drinking Canadian, yeah. And the really cool thing about about the Okanagan, and you know what? This is going to be my my shout out to the Okanagan. Is it's got a lot of Warmer climate tendencies because it's so hot and dry there. But it really is a cool climate growing region. They hold on to their acidity very well, for the most part. I do
1: find their Merlots to be a little bit riper and richer and juicier than Ontario. But
0: still great acid. Great acid.
1: But uh, I always find Ontario Merlot needs more time to come around. I always find that right out of the bottle, our Merlots seem to be a little too acid-driven, and the fruit takes about three or four years to really come around, and then suddenly, bang, it's like the acid and fruit flip, and and we make some great Merlot. Uh,
0: I hope this podcast was entertaining to the people listening to it. I hope Do it we, made sense. I'm sure it made some sense to someone. We tried, so I'm going to call this podcast Warm Climate Versus Cool Climate. Subtitle, we tried. Maybe. I don't know. Hopefully this makes sense to someone, but I mean, it's just... Hopefully. If you're if you're if you if you new to wine, start with warm climate and ease your way into cool climate. Correct. If you've tasted Ontario wine and you thought that it was too tart, I can't guarantee you're going to love it, but I think the odds are pretty good that you're going to love it at some point.
1: But it, okay, so and if you and if you're and if you're a local file, is that a something? Locavore, locavore is that what? Yeah, locavore is what they called. If you're uh, if you're a local bore and you like those rich uh, flavors in your wine, uh, and you want to stay Ontario. 15, 16, and potentially 18. We'll there's see how it turns out. There's still some kicking around, too. And if there's some 12s kicking around, although they all start developing. Okay, so Michael secondary just threw character. some numbers out. So 2015, 2016. Summers. Those are
0: summers that were very hot, so more sugar in the grapes, lower acids, but they might still come across as tart. Don't give up. Uh, it'll be an acquired taste.
1: Yeah. All right, now that we've confused everybody. Yep, we suck. Go get a glass of wine. That's yep, all we're going to say. That. Just have a glass of wine, please. No, no. No, again, hashtag uh, White Zinfandel is not real wine.
0: Yeah, I, lo- I can't believe you remember that podcast even after all that. Yeah. Or sorry, did I just say podcast? I'm just yeah. saying hashtag. Hashtag. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. It's, it's not real wine.
0: Okay. I'm Andre Pru from underwinereview.ca. Please remember to subscribe to this podcast, leave a review. No comments about angry phone calls, but hey, we didn't curse once. That's pretty f- awesome. Oops. damn
1: it. We're really good at that. I'm Michael Pingus from MichaelPinkusWineReview.com. And as always, good night.
0: Hey. Thanks for listening. Please subscribe to Two Guys Talking Wine on iTunes.